0: This is an eight iron, and it's a dead shank. Wow! Way right. Takes that hop off
1: the path. You gotta be kidding me. Very tough pitch shot right here. You gotta hit it into the hill, one hop up, and bite, and it's
0: in. Kind of like that. I would like to welcome four-time All-American from Georgia Tech and uh, PGA Tour winner Bryce Mulder to the Sub-70 podcast. I think I can still call you pro. You don't have your amateur status back, so thank you, pro, for coming on and doing this today. I appreciate it.
1: Well, thanks, and, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yes, you can call me a pro. It doesn't mean I look or act or play like one, but uh, technically still a pro, but uh, um, yeah, I appreciate the, the, the chance to come on.
0: Would you ever want your amateur status back at some point? I,
1: you know, yes. Um, but the reasons would be to play and just fun four balls and, um, you know, things that don't really matter. Now, when I say that, the problem is I might be competing against some guys that, that care. Um, and so maybe that's the kind of drop off. I had, I had a chance. I actually, like two years ago, I had a, a, a former teammate of mine that was he just came, he just came from playing somewhere on the East coast. I forget where it was somewhere really cool in a four ball event. Oh, I think it was like national golf links. And then he was going to LA to play in one at LA country club. And I'm like, this is BS. Like, this is what I want to do. And I, and I like went on the usJ website, signed up to get my amateur status back. And then like two weeks later, <clears throat> a pal, Roberto Castro goes, dude, you're never getting that back. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, play this out, you know, three, four five years from now, you show up at the U S amateur four ball or the U S amateur U S mid amateur. And you spent 11, 12 years on tour with a tour win, And now you're playing against guys that like work for a living. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And he goes, yeah, but they don't know that, you know? And yeah. so, yeah. um, uh, you know, and I'm like, okay, I get it. And I completely renewed And I, you know, so I withdrew it. Um, and now, you know, the, the, my version of that is to play in some fun, like pro scratches. And I'm like, I laugh. I'm like, yeah, I'm probably a little too good to play as an amateur. I'm not good enough to play as a pro, um, but I have a good time doing it now, and I don't really have – I've got a lot shorter memory now when I play and compete and stuff, which is much better, much more fun.
0: The cocktail tour does sound fun, though, doesn't it? I mean, some of those venues, like, that's the best.
1: Well, it's – you get
0: the venue in
1: somewhat of a, like, heightened – like, you're going to post a score, so you kind of get the nerves going – but nobody's really going to see if you just play like complete crap. So you get all of the good stuff and none of the bad stuff. And yeah, you, you have more fun at night and you probably have a little more fun while you're out there playing out there doing it. So it does sound like, like a lot of fun. And, and, uh, um, but that, that's okay. That's, that's for a certain, you know, certain people. And unfortunately I'm, I'm not in that group, but maybe, you know, give it a few more years and people will completely forget that I ever played professional golf and I can just kind of slide under the radar.
0: Is, is Roberto trying to get his amateur stats back or is he still trying to play when he can?
1: I think he's still playing a little bit. um, He's still playing a little bit, I think when he can, but although I I even think there's been some, um, you know, when when he's kind of moving and shifting into a different career, there's that you want to show someone um, that you're potentially going to work with or work for that. You're serious about that, but yet, part of what you bring to the table is, Hey, this is a professional golfer that could still play in some tournaments. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so there's probably a little bit of, you know, lingering that, but that's the hard part is actually just, you know, cutting, cutting the the line for sure. And, and kind of moving to the other side. But then there's other times when you just, you know, it, it kind of cuts it for you. Um, and you realize that, um, your, your chances of playing really, really good are probably gone. And so it kind of helps, helps you, uh, helps
0: you cut the, cut the lines. What's your handicap now at Whisper? Like plus three, plus four, somewhere in there.
1: It is. It kind of depends. Um, it just it just dropped into the. I was in the plus fours, and now it dropped into the plus threes, which I'm I'm much more comfortable. Um, and uh, it it's so it's kind of in that range. Um, it's it's in that range, I try to keep a handicap. Um, I try to post all my scores just so that you know if you ask me to play in a member guest you know, and, and I'll play in any net division. Right. And it's kind of like, at least you could, your pro or your whatever could be like, well, no, he's got a handicap and he's just going to play to it. And by the way, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to win in any flight with my handicap. I'm going to finish about third. (laughs) Like I'm going to probably shoot my handicap and there's going to be other guys getting shots that, that outplay their handicap. I'm not going to outplay my handicap because I'm just, you know, Um, and so, but uh, but I you know so for that reason I do keep a
0: I do keep a handicap. Yeah, and as you well know, more than anybody, right? Like when you're on tour, your handicaps plus six, plus seven, plus three, plus four. Like when you said you're kind of in no man's land, it really is true, right? Like you're not a zero or a one, <laughs> but you're not at a plus six, plus seven anymore, uh, which those you were at at one time.
1: It's it's so funny. I had a guy um, at a at a uh, a member guest, and and actually. I'd won it two years in a row. And it was because I was playing with partners that were like, you know, a 10 handicap that one of the days shot like 76. Like it wasn't because of me. Right. And, um, and we go back and my handicap was kind of like a plus 3.6 or something. And a guy approached me and he goes plus three, six, really? And I'm like, like, are you, yeah. are you saying right. in a good way or a bad way? Like what he was like, I mean, you're, like, you're a pro, like, aren't you like a plus six? And I'm like, well, I I was, yes. I'm like, but on any given day, I'm, you know, I'm somewhere between a zero and a plus six. I'm a, I'm a plus three point something. And by the way, we finished dead last in our flight. And it was, it was actually comical. Um, you know, but I wanted to be like, no, like if I don't play well, I don't just kind of scrape it around at a, at a club level for like 67 anymore. It's like, no, I, I I'll I'll make some bogeys. I'll hit a ball out of play. I'll you know chunk a chip or miss a short putt. Like I don't it, so that stuff does happen now. So um, and then the other problem is every once in a while you put it together and you're like oh yeah I remember how to ride a bike and and then you know and, and you look like you're just came off tour and then the next day you fall off the bike and you're like no it's nowhere close.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like you know plus three plus four you're a great player, but is you know like there is – when you're playing competitive on the PGA Tour, even corn Ferry tour, and that's your whole life, like everything revolves around that—the practice, the the mental focus, all of it. There is such a huge divide between that and where you're at. Like it's night and day.
1: It's so it's
0: um, you know if I went out to
1: uh, you know my club or whatever any golf course on a Tuesday, a Friday, a, a whatever, not an event, and I played with a a touring pro. If I played well that day, I'd probably be able to like kind of compete. And if I didn't, I'd get just smoked. Now, so the difference might be somewhere in that two, three, four shots range on mm-hmm. average. And right. then, like, if you put, if you turn the lights on, and you make me play in front of somebody, like actual some people and some cameras, and post a score, like I, I have no idea. I am petrified of what I would shoot today. Um, I can't even. I can't even remember what, it, like when I watch TV now, I'm like, man, that looks really hard. How do those guys do that? <laughs> like, how, how do you? I'm like, I'm kind of got. I've got kind of sweaty palms right now watching because I remember what that feels like, but now I don't have the game to back it up. So it's even like my, you know, your memory of yeah. it is even is even tougher. And so, um, yeah, the divide is 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 really big. Um, somebody said like a couple years ago, they're like, why don't you? why don't you go try to qualify for this open? I'm like, cause I might make it. And then I would shoot in, <laughs> and, and then I'd shoot a hundred, like, you, you know, and so, uh, that's the, uh, and I'm like, and I'm in that spot where I'm like, the more, if I actually try to go practice for a couple of days or for a few hours, um, I'll get worse. So I'm better off just like not practicing. I just go and play for fun. No expectation. As soon as I put like an ounce of expectation, I get, I I, it's, it goes bad. And so, um, yeah, there, there's, there's a, there's a massive divide between kind of, you know, where I was and where the the game is now there's a divide there, but there's also, um, a divide from, you know, where, where I was and where I am now. So, um, it's, it's a, it seems like a different sport now watching.
0: Yeah. And also too, like, you know, your course is set up kind of for the members, ours is as well. Like you don't realize that well, you, if you know golf, you, you can realize it. But you know, go play the John Deere Classic, right? And look how that golf course is set up most of the year. Then, when the tour is in, and you guys were still shooting twenty some under par, relatively speaking, it's set up pretty hard. Rough is thick, fairways fast, greens rolling. I mean, the course conditions aren't even the same as they normally are. So then you have to yeah. factor that in, right? Of like, even on a corn ferry tour, but it it's it's made for touring pros.
1: It, it is, and the rough is the rough is real there's
0: there's just more to it. I mean you are
1: playing off the back part of the back box um but it's kind of like you know if the greens are soft and the weather's pretty good, but if you can't you can't make a course tough enough other than um greens being firm and fast, you kind of can't you know if the greens are soft um and the weather's pretty good, the guys are going to shoot really low, and that's not because the courses are are very easy. It's because they're just really good. Um, and that's okay. Like in my mind, I'm like that, that's, that's okay. Um, as long as the best players playing that day shoot the lowest scores and that's, that's really all you can really kind of try to do. But, um, it is, you know, the whole, you know, what would a, what would a 10 handicap shoot, you know, at a U.S. open during those conditions? It's like, I, I don't know. I mean, it, It would be ugly. I don't want to have that conversation because it sounds like it's degrading. You know, it's
0: it's. um, They'd have no chance. They'd have no chance. I mean, a a two handicap couldn't. I don't. I don't think I could break. Well, just
1: well, go. You know, go go to the. You know, wherever you go, play basketball, rec. You know, center or whatever. And it's like, oh, that guy's a pretty good athlete. Like he can, you know, he can play some ball. You know, and and then you're like, no, go put him in the NBA, and see how ridiculously, you know short, slow, unathletic, un, you know, uncoordinated he looks compared to the most elite kind of, you know, right. athletes or that sport. And I'm not comparing, you know, professional golfers as complete as, 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 you know, those types of athletes, but just, there's just such a massive difference. And then when you actually put it on that stage, it gets even bigger. Um, but they're also conditioned for it. I was, I, I was sitting in front of um, some people in, in more kind of a work setting, but, but it was also some golf related questions. And somebody said, how do you, you know, you watch guys on TV and it means the world they're playing for a lot of money. They're playing for prizes. They're playing for trophies, um, and the world. watching, how do they do that? Or how do you do that? And I was like, you really can only be conditioned for it. Like there's no way to practice for that kind of pressure. There's no way to practice for the fact that, um, I remember the first time I, I played in the U S open, I was, in, I was still in college, qualified for the U S open Pinehurst, um, in '99, when when uh, Payne Stewart won, and it was the first time I I remember teeing a ball up, and my hands were shaking enough to where that was difficult, and then to be over the ball and the, and the club head shaking, and I just was like, I don't know if I'm going to hit the ball, like I don't I've never felt that before. I have felt nerves before, but I've never actually been scared that, like every person in the gallery right now is in play, <laughs> like I. This, this thing could go anywhere. And then I, and then I hit it and it didn't go in the fairway, but I hit it solid. And I just remember going, oh, okay. That's what, you know, muscle memory, even though it's, that may not be the right term, but like, that's what, okay. So you just, you've, you've done it, you've done it a million times, like just, you know, and so, um, but that's how, when you watch guys play and it's like, well, they're conditioned for that. And every, every part of their, their, their professional life right now is geared toward that moment. And so everything else is just so that you get to that moment. And so, but if you just put a random amateur, um, oh god, yeah. So this was a, and maybe this is like good, you know,
0: question for you or like sitting around a table. It's like, okay, if 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 I put you, you said you're a two handicapped. yeah, with That's no just, practice. And I mean, like I'm like you, I, I work a gazillion hours, and yeah, yeah. So I'm a I'm a good two, and put nothing into it to be a two, so I can play a little bit.
1: But so so interesting question would be, all right, what? how big of a lead if we just transported you right now and said, okay, you're going to be on the tee Sunday at the masters, the world's watching. How big of a lead do you need to win? And, and it's really fun with like kind of, and I've got a buddy that's like a 10 handicap and he's kind of got some yips with it like anywhere around the green. And, and it was funny cause we were like playing it out. Right. And it's like, well, I'm going to make eight or nine on the first for sure. So, there, and we were kind of working our way back, but it was just funny because it's like when you put in that heightened environment, how crazy things could go. Right. Um, but it, it's, uh, uh, but again, I, I go back and I watch TV now or I watch, you know, some, some golf now. And when I watch, it, I'm just like, gosh, I don't know how, I don't know how I did that. That was actually, it looks really hard um, and feels like it'd be really hard to go back and try to do it again.
0: Do you miss it? Do you miss having the pressure on a Sunday and, or, you know, all of it and fans watching and signing autographs? I mean, like, you know, is there still part of that where it's like, God damn, that was fun. The,
1: the, the response I give to that is very quickly. I miss being really good. And there was a point in my life and my career where I felt like if I play great, I don't know if anybody's going to beat me. And I don't know if I ever really felt like that at the professional level, even though I felt like that was a potential, I was headed in that direction. It was, it was on that kind of path, but like back in kind of amateur college, early on professional life, I I remember thinking and feeling that. And so that I miss, Um, but the rest of it, I, I just, I just don't. Um, You know, it's hard to replace the feeling, you know, in the, in the, you know, corporate or investment or in my life, commercial real estate world, it's hard to replace that feeling two, three, four times a year, even in the last five years of my career where I competed and I got a lot out of the tournament and finished second or 10th or, I mean, sometimes 20th. And you're like, no, but I like, I had nothing that week. And I actually, I grinded out a score, made some money, needed to do this to keep my card, whatever it was. And those little feelings that you get from really accomplishing something—you know, really hard—that's um, hard to recreate um, in a different setting, just because it's it's such a heightened kind of world. Um, but they're so futile, <laughs> they're so few and far between that um, I, I don't—I'm okay giving that up for the other 200 days out there playing and, and feeling disappointed and and. Mm-hmm. You know that that part of it that I just you know got to where I'm like you know what I, I really don't like what I do anymore. So that part of it I don't like, but I do miss you know feeling like um, at any moment I could just pass the field and and win by whatever. Like there was a moment in time where I felt that way, and that that was pretty that was pretty cool, and that that
0: I miss. Then on the flip side, is it hard that I'm just going to use you as a brand, being Bryce Molder, and then knowing. I might shoot a 75 today and and play with amateur golfers and not have my best stuff. I mean, because some guys just, like, don't play anymore, right? Once they mm-hmm. retire, they're just, I can't deal with being half assing this, right? And then as hard, as competitive, as great as you were, how did you get yourself to that point where you're like, look, man, it might be a 66, or literally it could be a 75, and you're okay with a 75 and still have fun with it where you're not just, you know, effing miserable out there? Like, how do you turn that... Because you guys all have that competitive switch, you don't get to where you're at without that drive, right? I, How do you how'd you turn that off to enjoy it again? I think it was just the expectation.
1: Um, once the expectation is gone, and I think once you know there's fulfillment in other parts of your life, that I, I don't need to play well to feel some fulfillment. It's fun, and I get frustrated sometimes but it's really short-lived and it's more frustrating. Like, come on, like, I can't, like, I can't possibly be this bad, you know? And then, and then two holes later, I'm already over it and it's, and I'm laughing and you know what I mean? So, yeah, and I'm really lucky too. And I don't know if it's just, I, I, maybe I, maybe I stepped away quickly enough that I didn't have much leftover baggage. And I think I, I didn't pick up clubs for kind of first six weeks after playing in my last event and then I played and I'm like, this is fun, you know? And, and I'm like, what am I like? Uh, this is just going to be a part of my life. And, um, and then once I had other parts of my life that, like I said, were, were fulfilling. And then all of a sudden the golf was just more of, that's something I do now. And it's not who I am. And so that I think was like the biggest change. Um, but believe me, like playing a club tournament and, all my buddies and so many of them like played you know played at some level professionally and believe me you go play well and you're peacocking around and it feels great and then the other fun part is when you just play terrible and you can just laugh about it and if you can get to that spot then you're gonna have you're gonna be able to have fun no matter you know what the day looks like um and so that's fortunately i'm I'm in that spot so um, my relationship with the game is really in a pretty good spot. And there's been a few times where I started to care um, and should I sign up for club championship? I, I'm afraid that if I start to care, I'm going to lose this great relationship that I have with the game. Um, but I was able to kind of get through that and, and I didn't, I didn't care enough um, to, to hate it, you know? So it was, I was able to do that, but I, I literally like, there's some thought process behind it. Hey, I've got to, got a really good relationship with the game of golf again, and I don't want to lose that because um, it's still a part of what I do and who I am, and, and or, or it's, it's what I like to do still. Um, and so I don't want to lose that part of it.
0: Yeah, and I can imagine if you miss the cut at the Sanderson this weekend in a fall series, there's probably like life choices where you're just like you're trunk slamming on Friday and your <laughs> weekend is ruined, right? And you're thinking, what the F am I doing out here? And how did, how uh, can I be this bad to miss the right? And then all of a sudden – your worth, your self-worth is how your golf game is. And that's really I mean, hard because as cruel as golf is at the professional level, as hard as it is, it could be a slippery slope where that is your your self-worth. I've never played professionally, but I can imagine how that could turn into a real shit show.
1: It, it does really quickly. And self-worth is the right, is the right word. I mean, I, I, I laugh. I'm like, no, you you play really good on Thursday, you shoot 67 birdie, the last two, you know, you feel, you know, you're six, you're six, five and, and, and walking around barrel chested. And you, you know, you're a good husband, you're a good father, you're a good person. And then the next day you shoot, you know, you get bogey two of the last three to miss a cut by a shot. Now all of a sudden you're a bad father, bad husband, Yeah. you know, you're five feet tall, you're slumped. out like, like the world is, you know, it's cloudy out even when it's not like it, it's you just live through that. Um, and I laugh now because I'm like, it's so ridiculous, but it's, you can't, it, it, it does mean so much to you. So it, it, and the problem with golf is in most other sports, you know, you have a team aspect. So you can always kind of deflect a little bit of, of that. And in a team sport, at least, you know, in any given game or match, of people are going to walk away a winner and in golf it's, it's less than 1% walks away a winner that week. I mean, you might have a handful that feel like they kind of won in in some respect that week, but it's not many. And so that part of it's tough, but there's, there's also that aspect of like, there's a, there's a number tied to your like (laughs) self-worth that day, you know, whereas in most business settings, there's, you know, there's not really a specific number tied to, Oh, well, plus five. You're a terrible human being. You're walking, you have to walk around this big golf course with that number, you know, and, and, and then the other side is sometimes you're really proud of it. Right. And you got late in the tournament on, and you got plus 12 or minus 12 next to your name in red. And it's like, yeah, look at me. Um, but then the flip side is, is the opposite. Right. When you feel, when you feel, you know, two feet tall and want to crawl in a hole and that, that, that rollercoaster part of it, I don't
0: miss at all. And it is a roller coaster because it can happen in the same round of golf, <laughs> right? Like
1: it- it's so funny. I'm, it's like amateurs, I love the pro-ams because you get these conversations and sometimes they, you know, you, in, and I was asked a few times, you know, it's like, gosh, you guys just you guys always, you know, have it together. Like, how do you do that? And I'm like, you have no idea how much of a shit show we all are in inside, right. Maybe there's five or 10 guys out there that are just so uber confident. They never really have to live through this, but I'm like most of the guys out here at some point in time this year are going to be like waking up in night terrors over certain shots or nervous about like it's dreading certain shots that they, that they know that they can't perform. Um, And I'm like, and it changes so fast. Just like you said, I remember being in San Antonio and, and, this is kind of a granular like specific story because it it really is like, it still hits me. I remember this um, where I just was starting to turn a corner, just starting to play pretty well. And I'm in like 20th place or so. Um, and I remember even who I was playing with. I was playing with Kevin Chapel, who's a, who's a buddy and, and I've got it all. I'm starting to drive it. Good. Irons feel pretty good. You know, putting it, like, starting to make some putts. I'm like, man, I, this is, like, Sunday, and, and we're in, like – maybe we're in, like, 30th place or 40th place. No chance of winning, but just kind of like, you know what? Next week, like, I am I am primed. And all of a sudden, I hit, like, a foul ball off the tee on number four. I chipped out, um, and then I hit it to, like, six feet and three-putted. And I missed a putt so short. And I only missed it, I think, because I, I didn't really concentrate. But I, I still – I still, it still is in like, you still feel that. And I remember then walking the next to and I'm like, I, I, I don't even know where I am anymore. Like I may need to take next week off. Like I, I've got to figure this out. Know, like all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know how to hit a fairway now. And now I don't know what's going on with the putter. And it, and it literally happened that, that quickly. Um, and it, it's so, you know, and those are the things that happen. And then it can also switch the other way where you feel one thing. I remember feeling something in a, um, you know, corn fairy event, it would have been the nationwide or web.com or whatever it was back then, but feeling something on like the 16th hole. Um, and with a, with a tee shot and then all of a sudden knocked on the ground, on par five. I'm like, Ooh, okay. That feels interesting. And then 17, 18, hit pretty good. And the next week finished like 10th and then won the following week. And it was like, Oh my God. Like it just, it can change that fast. Um, and then by the way, I think the next week was tour championship. I finished almost last and wanted to quit. So it was like, that's just,
0: there's (laughs) your ride, right? Three weeks of greatness to horrible, to greatness Uh, to horrible. Like like
1: literally you're going, bring me tiger. And then the next one, you're like, I wonder about insurance. That sounds like a good career, you know? Um, so it's, it's, uh, that, that part of it is real and you don't see it because, um, you get good at hiding that. Um, but there's guys going through that stuff and it's, and it's now it's not funny to watch, but it's funny just knowing that I've lived through it. Um, and and can kind of see it at times where you see a guy and you're like, Oh, he's about to lose it. Um, and, uh, so it's, it's now being just a viewer, um, and just a consumer of, of the sport. It's, it's a funny way to watch it now.
0: Yeah. There's few guys who own it, right? Like most of the time (laughs) they're streaky. Like I look at like DJ and it's like, that guy might just be the most absolute genius ever at some level where it's oh. just, I just, I don't know, man. I just roll out of bed. Like even the way he answers the questions, it's just great. Like oh. you don't hit hooks, right? Basically. No. Next question. Well, what do you do if the pin's on the left of the green? Uh, Aim for other left. he's just like, genius.
1: He is so talented and so like, it is crazy the amount of work that I had to put in. And I was like, a grinder I'd kind of play my misses I'd you know I was kind of one of the few guys left over that just didn't really like hit compress a ball I I was I I, I could score really well and and really good at not making bogeys but there was not a whole lot of offense right so I remember like one of the last years being on the range um it wasn't quail hollows was when we when we played in Wilmington I can't remember the name of the maybe it was Wilmington country I it really the golf course over Wilmington when we had because um, I think the PGA was going there, um, and it was a it was a really windy Friday, and I mean the 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 on the practice tee it was a dead left to right wind blowing like twenty five, and I'm just hitting these balls that I mean they get airborne and it's just sheer right like it's just the wind, uh, it it's like the ball is made out of paper right. right um and so i'm trying to figure out how to hook a ball in the wind and then i'm just like ah, whatever uh, there's only a few three or four shots out there where i have this one direction that's the other way and i'm hitting balls next to dj and there's this sign at the end of the range um on the back of the back tee and it's whatever it is three three ten three twenty and i can't even i mean i can't sniff getting there much less aim at it um and he's hitting these ropes that are one hopping off of that, and he's and he's having a conversation while he's doing it, as if he doesn't even care. And yet I'm watching his ball, and I'm like, it's like the wind's not blowing where his ball is. Like he, he's hitting it so hard, and I don't know if it's spinning. So like, it, it's just it not even so touching. So solid, it.
0: it just penetrates through the wind. And, right? it's and just... as
1: soon as mine gets airborne, it just starts diving right. You know, and I'm like, how in the world do I beat that? You know, and like it, we're not even playing with. Like, I am literally showing up to a gunfight with a knife. Like, this is not fair. Um, and I do, I actually remember I ended up making a few, ber- like, somehow making the cut that week. And I'm like, this is, like, it's more impressive what I'm doing out here than whoever's leading right now. Because I I have no business playing on, you know, on the weekend with what I had that week. But um, but when you brought him up, and I, I never forget that because I'm like, that is just not fair. Um, and I played with him when he drove it well. And I'm like, that's just, like golf is easy from there. Like it's just not even the same the same game. uh from three thirty, three forty in the middle of the fairway, like and you have the confidence to pull out driver when you might not it might not be the play. And I'm like that's just not fair. <laughs> from a lot of levels, that's not fair.
0: Yeah, no, and he's like the mental side of it that you know, I always go back to that US open penalty, you know, bullshit thing and the <laughs> way he handled that. Like I would have gone uh-huh. Postal probably said, "I'm not playing until we resolve this," <laughs> and he just kind of was like, "Okay, yeah. And, and, yeah." and just walloped the ball coming in; like it didn't even affect him.
1: It it it, it is amazing, um, you know. And I don't know; I don't know him personally, so I don't know if there's actually some underlying work being done, you know, mentally with a, like if there's some thought to it or hey, I've read these books, but. I'm speculating that that's not the case, <laughs> but uh, um, I'm given him the benefit of the doubt that, that his set from a mental standpoint has, has somewhat been learned and worked on, but uh, you almost can't be that, you know, good at anything physically or mentally without it just being ingrained. And there's, you know, Phil Mickelson um, played with him, you know, a number of times and, and know him a little bit. We have the same, same agent or same agency group since I was, uh, since I turned pro. And so, um, and he's another one that like, just weirdly confident. That's, that's just not fair. Um, you know, there's nobody that's hit more poor shots in golf over the last 10 years than Phil yet. He still really truly believes that if he figures a little something out that he can be the best player in the world for the next five years. And it's just like, I, it's it's amazing, right? That's a that's a skill set in a, in its own in itself. Um, is that kind of like mental capacity or or um, or confidence um, or the ability, like you said, for DJ just to kind of be like, huh eh, all right, well, it's just one shot. I, you know, in his mind, he's probably like, well, I was going to win by five, now I'll win by
0: four. You know, like yeah. okay, okay, well, whatever. So I remember his ne- next t shot. I just pounded it. It's just like it had. He's just like dealt with it. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. perfect. Like I couldn't. I mean, I give him all the credit. Oh, would have been a wreck. Up. Yeah, I would have
1: folded up so fast.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it, it would have, I just it think of guys like owning, so fast. owning their game. It just seems like he can just sort of. I, mean, I know they, you guys all work hard and you're out there, and he works hard, but it's just like when he gets to that first tee, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of self doubt of how well he's going to hit it that day, and he's pretty goddamn good, you, you well, know, year and, in year out, week in week out.
1: You know, and there's there's some confidence there too when you don't feel like it's your last chance or your only chance um, to where when, when you're, when you've got that kind of confidence, it's not like, um, boy, I better take advantage of this opportunity. I may not get it again. Um, I'm guessing that he kind of views it more as, yeah, I mean, I'm going to either win or lose, but I'll probably be here next year, you know, and have a chance. So yeah, we'll see, you know, And, and so it's a little bit different than a lot of guys that get on that stage and they're kind of like, well, this may
0: be my shot.
1: Um, Right. And that's, you know, it's kind of a different spot to come from.
0: So I'm going to ask you about Whisper Rock a little bit. It's such a cool club with all of the high-level play of, you know, the the professionals out there, even the really good amateurs. Like, it's like the hardest club championship, you know, out there to win. (laughs) Um, Rumor has it that uh, the great Colt Nost lets you play golf with him every now and then. And, uh, I mean, you have to feel so fortunate to be able to spend time with you know I can, his, his greatness it is i mean wow that's still has to be very intimidating i can
1: absolutely tell you there is
0: nothing great about colt
1: Nost anymore <laughs> i've he's played good at with broadcasting recently. you know what i was actually going to catch myself he's doing a very nice job and i've i've told him that and i said by the way if you if any, if you tell anyone that i ever gave you this type of compliment um, i will retract it i will deny it um, but I was like, you, you, you're doing a really nice job and I'm, I'm glad to see, you know, he's, he's rising. Um, but from a golf standpoint, I've played with him recently and there is nothing great about it. Now he could say the same about me and it would be true. Um, but I think the last time we played, he expected to get three shots from me. Three. Um, three.
0: That seems okay. like a lot.
1: Three is a lot. Right. Um, so I think he got one and he bitched the entire time. And I think the funniest part was the two shots he would have gotten would have completely flipped the bet, which was just hysterical because he was he was whining so bad, which I would have to. Um but it was uh it was great. So yes, we we, we get out there every once in a while now. Uh we're kinda of coming into season now for for Scottsdale golf, and so I'm sure we'll get out there a few times. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's bad cause it's the group that I play with the group, you know, maybe there's 10, 15, 20 guys that, um, end up kind of playing most of my golf with, and it's a group that is it just can't wait for you to hit your first really bad shot. And then it's just pile on. And so there's actually some nerves with that where you're just like, man, okay, I just can't. I can't be the first to hit just a really bad one because then it's just going to start and it's never going to stop. Um, and so it's certainly a, it's certainly a crew. And with, with Colt, you want to get up early because he'll get, I wouldn't say quiet. He's never quiet, but he'll, he'll be less, um, less talkative. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, we have some fun out there. And fortunately, there's some good golf to be played, but there's actually some, some, some fun golf. Um, and that's, that's, if there's one, you know, great thing about the club. I think there's more than one great thing about the club, but I think they figured out the fun golf aspect of it first and, and the good golf
0: and the good setting and, and vibe and everything followed. So um I'm lucky to have that spot. Well, can't you just feed him a couple of cocktails and then convince him that the bet is solid from his side? I mean, that would be a strategy as well, right? Well, to he, just...
1: he probably, I mean, he, he beat me to the cocktails. Um, I didn't need to feed him any of those. Okay. Um, And he, uh, but no, he's, he's just, he's one of those guys, like every other tour player, that if the, if the game's not stacked in their, stacked in their direction, they're going to whine about it. And by the way, I'll raise my hand. I'm one of those guys. I think the handicap system is flawed. Um, and it's only gotten worse. Um, and the last thing I ever want is a fair bet on the first tee. No, um, you, right? No, you, don't, you know, no. Fair bet Club means pro you guy lose. told us that.
0: Yeah, you you negotiate that out in the parking lot. You have right? some ailments, some problems, and you no, you've, of course not. I'll I'll come up with every excuse I can. I'm falling yeah. apart. I'm old, it's, slightly confused. It's to
1: the point where it's kind of like, you know, hey, you guys are next up, and it's like, all right, we better hurry over there because it's going to take us five minutes to figure out the shots and the bet and what I like. We need to get over there now because we let's just go ahead and get this started because it's going to. It's going to start. Um, <laughs> so, but that's, that's the fun part about golf now is, is because uh, at the end of the day, none of that really matters. It's more of just the fun of, of uh, uh, the negotiation is half the battle and it's, exactly it's, uh, it's fun. So, and i I, get, I think the last time I played with like Ches Reevy, and, and I've played a lot with him over the years, we haven't played as much the last couple of years, but um, is, is I knew he thought I was terrible when he didn't even negotiate giving me a shot or not, this was like two or three years ago. And I'm like, wow, he's giving me a shot, which means he thinks I need like four. Um, Cause he's as tight as it gets when it comes to giving shots. And he's the same way, He's the same way I, I am or was like, as far as no, that you don't want a fair bet. You want, you want to know that you can play average and win. Um, and I remember him giving me a shot. And it was the first time that it was like, wow. Okay. He thinks I'm, he thinks I'm shitty. Okay. All right, that's where we are now. That's where we are. And then I get on the one-stroke hole, and I hit it down the middle. And I was, like, weirdly nervous, not sure what to do, trying to make a net birdie. And I hit, like, the ugliest seven iron and then a sloppy chip and didn't even come close to making, like, a 10-footer for par. And I was like, okay, I don't want another shot until I get, like, three. Because that was the worst experience I can imagine in golf right now is getting one shot and on the one stroke hole, I get it. I just sloppily make, but I'm like, I'd rather just lose the hole, but like, you know,
0: just pissed it away. Right. Just, just pissed, pissed, away. pissed it away. And,
1: and I'm, I'm guessing now, if we stepped up there and I said, Chez, you're giving me three. Um, he would, uh, I think he, he would try to negotiate down to two, but I think he'd end up giving it to me. Um, but, uh, that's where we are now. Um, that's, that's life. That's life. You just got to own, own it up, own up to it.
0: Or just say you're shitty and use it to your advantage and go beat them. Yeah. That can I happen try. too, right? I mean, just play. You know, try. Yeah. You know, try, you know, look look like your you know ailments are in full yeah. full view. Yeah. You uh, start with some, as, yeah, you, yeah. You start
1: with a few of the excuses early. Right. Um, back's hurt. I haven't practiced. been in the office a lot. There you go. It's,
0: you get used right. to it. Yeah. Your yeah. workout schedule's been shitty. His hasn't. <laughs> Right. Yeah. There's all kinds of things you can go with. Uh, another character down there. I'm assuming he's down there quite a bit. What's your best McCord story of just having that dude around your club?
1: Um, first of all, he never wants to leave. And we found out that it's because his, his wife is as annoyed with him as we are. So he's just always around. He's always wanting to tell you what he's learned recently. Um, he, he's always trying different putting techniques. I think he's still trying to figure out some technique where he could putt decent. Um, at one point he was putting, and this was before anchoring was a, was a thing, but he was anchoring it to his chin and it was hysterical because it was the only moment during the round when it was quiet. It, it, it was like the only time he couldn't talk. And it was it was like, oh, this is the best like 10 seconds of, of all day. Um, but he's uh, he's great. Uh, I remember playing with him when I was really struggling. And uh, playing with Peter Costas and I think Paul Casey, who was working with Peter at the time. I was working with Peter. And I was in one of my low points. And, and Gary jumps on because he's just going to have some fun with it. And, and it was like after like the fourth or fifth ball in the desert, he stopped saying anything. And I'm like, that's the moment when it's really bad is when when guys feel sorry for you you know it's that that yeah. moment where you're like, ooh no never mind i'm not going to i feel like this is over over the you know over the line to say anything and and we got to that spot during that round um, and i i called him out for it later i'm like by the way do not ever stop talking because that's really embarrassing and he just laughed he goes i I've, I've been there before he goes okay just good to know i can keep i can keep at it i said yes please Please keep at it. If I'm if you see me like that again, file on even more. Because um, otherwise it's just gonna make me feel
0: worse. I think he'd be so much fun to play with. I mean, the stories have to be great. I mean, he's seen it all. I mean, he, he knows had, everybody, you know. He's
1: got a story about everything. And frankly, I think part of what made him so good um at his job was that he really was being himself. Um, it may have been a, you know, a PG version of I mean, he's not you know, R rated character by any stretch, but he he was just being him. Um and so when you play with him or you sit down and you talk, you're like, oh, this is this is the character that I heard on T V for all these years and that's what I think most people that are really good in T V and radio and whatever they're just being themselves. I think comedians that are really funny, they're really just trying to make themselves laugh. And if it's funny to other people then it's like genuine. And you then you can keep coming up with material, but if it's if it's you know a sideshow to try to uh, try to make somebody else laugh or try to make some you know to entertain someone else, then it's never that genuine. Never really does much. But I think that's why he was so good for so long was he was just kind of being Gary and he didn't really know any other didn't really know any other way.
0: I love it. He's like seventy some years old and still air quotes trying to find it out there. Still <laughs> yeah, still yeah. searching. Right. <laughs> He's still. It's next week I'm gonna have this thing all figured out. Right. Like. Yeah still out there That's grinding. Exactly right. I, I, I love it, you know, that he's still out there all the time. And like I said, someone has to keep him. Like, they can't send him home, so he's your guy's responsibility at this That's point. Right. So the,
1: that is right. That's exactly yeah, right. someone's got to
0: help him out. Uh, I was going to ask you, too, about your, you know, everyone knows about your storied career at Georgia Tech, like, amazing amateur run. Uh, the question I was going to ask is, how much better did you get in college because of the guys that that you kind of, play, I mean, Cooch was on the team, right? Uh, Wybring, was Troy Madison there as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, was... you had some guys who, like, you're talking studs on tour, like, how did that level of competition shape your game, and in the in the, in the influence to, to kind of, I mean, I imagine you guys pushed each other, right? Like, you didn't want to lose to Madison, and Wybring didn't want to lose to you, and, you know, you got Cooch there, USAM champion, like, what did that, what was that environment like? Uh, it was great. I mean, it, it, you can't, you can't discount
1: what everyday competition can do for you. Um, Whether it's, you know, having a wedge contest with, you know, or putting and chipping contest with somebody like the little things when you're practicing, but then just even qualifying, right. As you're, you're, and we had, we were really lucky um, at Georgia Tech. We played at East Lake and played a golf club of Georgia, which were really good, tough tests of golf. And so you, you weren't only competing on a, on a, on a tough, but fair, field, but you were also competing against some of the best players in college, um, on a weekly basis. And so that's that aspect. And then coach, coach Apple who's still there now believes in internal competition and believes in, Hey, you've got to earn a spot. That's, that's what I, pro- you know, I promise everybody, I promise everybody the fact that nobody's promised a spot and so come and earn it. And so that in itself just breeds what you have to face later, which is, Every day is a competition. Every day you have to achieve something and, and post a score. Whether it's to try to Monday qualify, whether it's to try to pre-qualify for the Monday qualifier, or make the cut, or finish top ten, or try to do something. No matter what you're doing, you're you're always up against it. Even though it, you know, oh, you get your tour card, you're not up against anything. Yeah, you are. You're up in the, you're up against something. Getting into a major, getting, you know, getting on a Ryder Cup team. You know, it's it's like it prepares you for that and then to have great competition around you is because you can't fall asleep. And by the way, I couldn't go out and shoot 74 and, and could shoot 67 and not hear about it. Right. So you know what I mean? Where it's, there was no like, ah, oh, whatever. It's just a, it, you know, it's just, it's just a qualifier. It's just a practice. It's like, no, there was, we all knew we cared. And so you were going to absolutely do what you could. You wanted to win. And it was, it was great. And it was, I don't think every environment has that. We just happen to have a unique group that um, we we were good. We liked each other, but we liked to beat each other almost as much as we liked each other. Like it was, it was perfect. Um, And so I think that breeds a. um, You get used to just competing, and and it's just you you don't know
0: anything else. When you turned pro, you played quite a bit in the Corn Ferry Tour. And then you got obviously the PGA Tour and one out there. Between playing both of those tours, what's the biggest difference you saw, at least from your era, from going from Corn Ferry to the PGA Tour? Courtesy cars. This is nice. <laughs> better hotels. I mean, better food. Uh, you know, a zero, I was
1: always like, it's an extra zero and it's a courtesy car. And I'm like, you like, the fact that somebody picks you up you know, and takes you to the golf course to get your car, you know, or sometimes you sign it out and you get it right then and there. And then when you pull up at, you know, Houston intercontinental Bush airport, like you pull up to the curb and there's somebody from the tournament standing there waiting to jump in your car. And you like, it is ridiculous. How much better that is than schlepping your bags and your clubs in the courtesy van. And then you got to go wait in this line. And then you, rent the car. And then you find out they don't have your car. And like, that was, I'm serious. When I say that was like the biggest and best difference. Um, And then the players are much better, but I mean, not that much better. Right. But it it was, uh, um, it wasn't the courses. Um, Obviously the money was a big difference, obviously. Um, But it was literally just those little things that just made life a little, a little easier. Um, and I, I mean, I sound really spoiled saying that, but it's, um, but it, it's it's absolutely true.
0: Is that first year tough out there because you are playing against guys who have played those golf courses for years, and you are slightly behind that learning curve a little bit? Is that still the toughest one out there? Of like, okay, got keep my card out here, and I have to go up against guys who have been doing this for a long time, you know, on the big circuit.
1: I don't think um, I don't think that's as big of a deal as. You kind of start. You almost start. It's like having a hundred-yard dash, and you're starting five yards behind, just because you're going to be in the lower tier events, and you have to play your way into the upper tier events. So you you actually need to play well early just to get to the spot that everybody else is starting from. Um, and when I say lower tier, it's it's more of well, how many FedEx points and how much money. And when I went, when I started, it was how much money. It's like, well, if that purse is three million, and next week they're playing for seven, and I'm not in that tournament, well I'm, I mean I'm starting way behind, right so and now even with with the fedex there's there's heightened events uh, and then there's lower tier events, um, and it's kind of like if your average event, you're getting x number of points um, allocated towards those, and you're competing against guys that are getting say twenty five percent more on average because they're playing in higher events and not playing in the lower events. That's a that's a difference, and so you kind of have to you have to overplay to get on tour, then overplay. I don't, even have, I don't know if that makes sense, but you have to play better to get on tour than you have to play when you're on tour to stay on tour. Um, if, if that makes sense, but I, I it does make sense. I, didn't, yep, I and there are some courses where yes, I mean you get to where you know where the holes are going to be, you know certain things, you know certain stuff, but I I don't know. I was always more of like if I'm playing well, it kind of doesn't matter where. Um i'm gonna shoot a good score and if I'm playing poorly it doesn't matter where and how much I know the golf course i'm gonna i'm not gonna play well you know it it was just it was it was kind of that simple so I, I think i think it's more of just the way that the tour is structured and by the way that's the only way to structure it um you gotta you know it's it's uh you gotta earn your way up there and then
0: when you're up there it's you know you, you gotta earn your way to stay but it's not as hard to stay we talked about this a little bit earlier of you know, kind of retiring relatively for a golfer young after some real success. I mean, I looked, you know, that's a solid 10 years you had out there and it was, it was good. Like you had a victory, saw a lot of solid finishes. We kind of talked about what went into retiring from the PGA Tour. Then, you know, we, like I said, we got into that a little bit, but then I'm, I'm very interested in how did that transition into a business career you know how much do you truly enjoy it? I'm guessing a lot. Like you know, you've been successful at what you're doing, and what, what's your role at Trident Capital Partners? And you know, kind of explain to the listeners what your firm does and what your role is there, and how that whole transition kind of started from professional golf to the business world, and you know what you're kind of doing with it today.
1: Um, yeah. So so if you go back to kind of 2017, I was kind of at the end of my rope. I'd spent a couple of years knowing that hey, my style of golf and my um, the assets I had play at a high level were just not as important i was great at putting and scoring and it was more about offense and so i i kind of took some 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 chances in hey i'm gonna i'm gonna work try to change my golf swing work on some things to be able to hit it to a level literally that i could actually play at a really high level and if it doesn't work out it may go the wrong direction which it did um but it was worth that um because i was on my way out anyway. So did you so, find a
0: teacher that you wanted to work with? I mean, to cut you off there, but did you say, okay, we're going to go work with Costas and break it down if you need to, Peter, like, I, let's do I,
1: this. I bounced around a little bit. I had uh, Michael who was my teacher um, in 2008, 2009, that helped me <clears throat> helped me get on tour and helped me stay on tour. And we kind of hit a wall, a ceiling. Um, and maybe that was just my ceiling, you know, at that time, and especially with where the game was going. Um, but I, I kind of, I said, hey, I've kind of gotten all the information I think I can um, from you. I mean, we've kind of hit a ceiling. I'm going to kind of go see if there's something else out there that helps me get to the next level. And I bounced around a little bit, and I got some good advice, I'm sure, from some very smart people. And then I ended up coming back to Mike. And I'm like, Mike, I think I am who I am. Can we just make what I do even more efficient and better than whatever? And by then, it was kind of, it was kind of the end of the rope anyway, right? Uh, or end of the road. It, it was, and so that was kind of 2017 by then, like mid year, I'm already like calling buddies going, Hey, let's, uh, I'd love to talk about what my next career might be. Um, because this is not going to last very long at all. Um, and I started, uh, you know, I always had a, an interest in real estate, um, investing. Uh, my, my wife and I did some investing in just some, some short-term rentals, vacation rentals here, uh, for single family residential properties here in Scottsdale um, which, which was, came about from buying a house in 2006, uh, market crashed around here. Um, uh, 2008, we were moving to a different house, but didn't want to sell that once so we turned it into a rental, you know, we, then we got, we bought two other rentals, you know, and, and my wife kind of managed that. I helped out a little bit and we sold those kind of 2013, to 14. And so that was my first, um, introduction to, you know, investing in real estate. And so, when I, I looked at what my next career might be, um, I looked at a few different, uh, a few different options and, and what would interest me and what I'd like to do. And it was somewhere in the investment world, but probably in the real estate world and, and for, uh, for somebody coming out of golf, that probably connectivity was going to be the best asset that I had kind of at that time, the best skill set. So with commercial real estate, I figured that was, that was kind of the, the way to go, um, and so by 2017, I started kind of investing in some private deals and getting but kind of like, Hey, I'm going to invest a little bit, but I know who you are. I know, you know, I know you well and I want to learn. Um, and so as you just kind of start trying to consume as much as possible, um, I went around and that and talked to anybody and everybody in commercial real estate in, in this valley, in the, uh, you know, Phoenix Valley and, and, uh, anybody else that I, I could kind of get in front of that was influential and been successful and tried to figure out kind of a path. And so long way around, um, I invested a lot in private debt, which is like hard money lending, but it's, you know, you, you become the bank for, for real estate you know, properties and you just charge a lot more, but that's, so that's what I do now. Uh, trading capital partners is a, is a, uh, um, a real estate private lender. Uh, we're based in Scottsdale and we lend kind of from, I'd say from Texas to California and, and um, I've got two partners, uh, they've been doing it for a long time. And, and weirdly, one of my first meetings was with uh, one of my now partners. Uh, he was at a different firm. Um, I was being introduced by my other partner that was also at a, a third different firm, um, and, uh, invested in one of their deals and then just communication and stayed together. And they put together Trident, um, about two and a half to three years ago and asked me to come on board right after they started it. And, uh, um, for, fortunately as a, as a partner. And so, so um, it's great. It's very, very fulfilling. I run the investor relations side, but also um, you know, I, I headed up, we put together a fund and that was kind of my um, kind of my baby for the, for the spring. Um, and then I've also gotten into just kind of underwriting and, and, and helping us kind of, you know, close some, some loans and some deals. So um, that's what I do. I really enjoy it. Um, I, I, I Anything that you do that you really like, I've heard it, 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 it's never a job if you really actually like the day-to-day work. Um, I don't like everything that I do, but I really like a lot of what I do, and and fortunate to work with with some guys that uh, um, I really admire and, and uh, enjoy what we do. And, and the when I say that i've I've felt um, fulfilled in different areas, it's you know we've got a growing and successful business right now and an investment company. Um, we, we invest private capital and we've done, we've done very well by them and built a nice portfolio. And, and I feel like I've been a part of that. Right. And so to be a part of something successful, be a part of something that, um, you know, you're proud of is very fulfilling and it's not easy work, but, um, um, but it's, it's been, uh, that part of my life has been great. And then you combine that with, um, a good, stable family life and, (laughs) um, you know, all, all family is happy and healthy. I'm, I'm, I'm about as happy as I can be. Um, and, uh, you know, pinch myself as, as often as, as I can, I get to have, get to have fun and enjoy my family and, and enjoy the work that I do.
0: Well, yeah. And, and it makes sense because, uh, from what you guys are doing, you're helping multiple people, right? You're, you're getting a better ROI for your investors. And then you're also helping these other projects get off the ground. It's going to be a fun position to, to work in, in the sense that, uh, you got both sides of the coin. Everyone can kind of yeah. win. Yeah. Right. And, and it's actually confer- that's true.
1: It's actually yeah. kind of true. It's rare that we're um, even when we're kind of quote rescue capital and a bank kind of falls out and we kind of come in to rescue the deal. It's still, um, it's still a deal worth doing for the, for the borrower, the sponsor, the one that's that, that, that we're um, you know, helping capitalize the deal. And then for our investors, we're, we're, our job is to never, you know, is to try to never put them in harm's way. And I mean, we invest our own stuff as well. And so, um, it should be a win-win for, for all now, different markets create different challenges and there's going to be do enough deals and, and there's going to be some heartache. And that's, that's unfortunately the nature of it. But, um, and that was another, another side when kind of going to commercial real estate is seeing very clearly that, um, this is a very black and white, um, financially feasibility, Numbers-driven, you know, adventure versus uh, residential real estate, which is more emotional, right? Um, The transactions that we help um, on—it's—it's so somebody can go try to make money. Um, Whether it's whether the real estate is helping their business or whether just investing in real estate, Um, you know, they're there to make money. We're there to make money. Our investors are there to make money. And the few times that we see deals that that everybody can do that, then those are the ones we invest in. And, and, uh, but I think the the really interesting side for me is just, um, the fun, you know, interesting deal flow that we see, even the stuff we don't, uh, it's a quick pass, but it's very interesting. We see everything from land to, um, you know, to multifamily. Uh, we've, we've done a mobile home park. We've done, um, office industrial, um, you know, just, just all different kinds of kinds of properties and deals and work with people. And it's, um, every day is a little different, which is, uh, um, which is which is
0: very interesting and, and, and very enjoyable. Well, I got a couple quick hitters here. We'll we'll get you back to to work in your normal job. I appreciate the time today. But uh, all right, comes to mind on this one: best golf shot you ever hit under pressure. Can be from the amateur days, pro days. Just when you needed one, you had it.
1: Um, I mean, I, I made a putt to I, I made a putt to tie. It was really to tie for the Palmer Cup. I was, I was just finished my freshman year and the Palmer cup for those that don't know it's, it's Walker cup, Ryder cup, but it's for college. So it's, it's collegiates from the U S playing against collegiates from great Britain and Ireland. And, uh, we just happened to be at St. Andrews. Um, I was picked as the, as the, the eighth and final player, um, on our team. And, uh, I made about a 12 footer in the last hole for birdie. Um, My competitor had like a five footer. But anyway, so we have the match, retain the cup, but I will never forget that experience, partly just because of where I was, right? Um, But making a kind of a 12 footer that just barely kind of fell in the corner. Um, But that was a, that was one of those experiences when you kind of look back a few
0: years later and you're like,
1: did I really do that? That's like, that's crazy. That's cool
0: most underrated player when you were on tour that was out there and I mean it in a positive way where like people don't realize like how good this player is it just kind of flies under the radar but you were always impressed with the level of you know it could be grinding or talent or all of it well, I think it's an interesting question of like who kind of stands out from that standpoint kind of who's slightly underappreciated
1: so weirdly my one victory was against Briny Baird in a playoff. I remember at the time and he he's had a bunch of injuries. And so he hasn't played much since kind of 2011, 12. And obviously the money's gone up, but I remember he made about $15 million in his career without ever winning a tournament. And I was like, that is just an inordinate amount of high quality golf that is under the radar. Right. I always felt like that aspect was, I was like, I was just amazed at, um, when I looked at his career I won and I, I kinda of looked back and I looked at him I'm like, oh my gosh, he's made that much money. I'm like, that that's that just that just means he's played so well so many times, just never quite put it together. And then I felt, you know, even worse about um, you know, stealing one from him. So um, he'd be one and there's certain guy you know, Kevin Stadler, um, which and I love he's a Whisper Rock member. He thinks he's terrible. Everybody around him always thought he was, you know, is um, so good. Um, I, I felt like he was underappreciated. Um, and then all the other guys you've, you've heard about. There's more guys that, that and I'm not going to go into it, there's more guys that, I, that. you know, I'm like, that guy's not that good. He thinks he's amazing. He plays pretty good every once in a while. He's got a lot of, like, name recognition, but, like, he's really not that good. Um, but, but the other two are the ones that, that I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, those guys can, can just flat out play.
0: Well, yeah, I think Brian e. Beard was out there forever. Like, he might be one of those guys where it's like he played in damn near 500 PGA Tour events or something, right? Yeah. Like, he was out there just for that alone, right? Like, just it, to play it is that true. much.
1: That is true. Like,
0: yes. that's so hard. Like, he was out there in his mid-40s still competing, I think. Right. Yeah. He probably had a 20-year career out there. That's yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of, just, yeah, I don't want, you know. That, I like the stories of, like, he's so good and people don't realize, like, how good he truly is, yeah. right? And I agree with you, like. You, you're out there that long. You're a great player. I don't care if you won or not. You're a great player.
1: Yeah, and I'm just guessing he had at least like thirty, forty something top tens. Like just, which is really tough. I mean, yeah. if you have five in a year, that's you know that you, there's only like ten guys on tour that have like five top tens in a year. Um, maybe maybe ten or twelve, and those are the, the, all the, the big names. But um,
0: but yeah, he was he was one of those for sure. Dude could golf his ball. Yeah. He could golf his ball. Uh, two or three best golf courses you've ever played, and what makes them special from an architecture standpoint?
1: Um, I mean, some of the the ones you would think of, I mean, when I when somebody goes, what's your favorite golf course? I'm like, I, Pebble Beach. And it's just a... It's not a fun answer, because it's not a different answer. It's one of two or three you would expect. And I'm like, yeah, but when you walk through the shot value, for, for my sake, it's not part of the fun is, is where you are and some of the shots that you're hitting over or near, you know, obviously something beautiful, but it's it's the unique golf shots that you you get when you play that golf course. It's not the beauty or the, um, the seventh hole or the, you know, the picture that you get with your crew that you're with that day. It's the fact that from number four, four or five, you know, six a par five that's unlike any in the world and if yeah, you built it today it, it, you know if you haven't played it you have no idea how how massive uphill that second
0: shot is it's from yeah, a downhill so it's like,
1: lot yeah like you know. trying to
0: just lay it up for me was a challenge like oh my god it, I gotta get over that hill like, yeah
1: so and then you go to seven and then you've got the cool one of the coolest shots in golf is eight and then you know nine and ten are crazy good and then you come back around 17 18 i just from shot value it's as good as there is and then the you know one that's grown on me and i'm headed there um, in a few days to play in, in a Pro Scratch's Old Sandwich Golf Club. Um, I mention it because it's it's kind of on the second or third tier of, of what people would ever talk about. Um, it's not like nobody's heard of it. It's It's got some name recognition, but it is uh, just south of Boston, um, and it's one of the more – and it's got a great uh, feel and club. But from a golf perspective, it is so good. Um, I don't think there's any water that comes into play on the golf course. I've never even thought about that. But if, from a golf perspective, you get every shot, you hit every club, and, and the wind will switch completely opposite, and you'll still hit every club. You'll just hit every club on a different hole. And um, I think it's extremely interesting. I think the par fives are interesting. The par threes are interesting. You need to have really good short par fours. I think that's a – I think TPC Sawgrass is underrated. Um, everybody points to number 17. That's one of my favorite golf courses. I wish that was a golf course I could play on a daily basis, um, you know, in in good condition or whatever. Um, And I think it's because um, I hate long par fives. They're boring. I hate laying up. Um, I love short, short holes, short par fours, short par threes, short par fives that are a little quirky or just fun because there's a, there's a chance there's an experience that's going to happen. And that in itself is fun. Um, and I think, you know, when I think of golf courses and I think of, you know, if, if we could have a whole thing about golf course architecture, I, 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 geek out on, on, on that kind of stuff. But, but to me, um, the ability to have good short holes is very difficult. Um, and I think the best thing about like a TPC sawgrass is the, sh- there's like four or five short par fours that are so fun because if you can hit the tee shot in the fairway, it's a birdie hole. If you hit it somewhere other than the fairway, you just hope you don't make six and I think it's fantastic right um it's fun and then the par fives are fun and then you got 17 18 so anyway those are the ones that kind of stick out I I um I picked a couple that that obviously are are kind of cliche a little bit but um I enjoy golf experiences as far as shots and you know and and having a chance of that risk reward is fun
0: my final one here for you, is there one or two courses on the list that you haven't played yet that you're going to try to get out there in the next couple of years and experience it?
1: Um, Shinnecock's probably the top of that list. Um, never played Shinnecock, never played Marion, um, and it's been a long time since I've played Augusta. Um, so I think they've changed enough around there that it's it's like I haven't played it. Um, those are the, those are the top ones on on my list. I think Shinnecock might just happen. Next year, um, putting together a, a trip with some with some buddies. We were in L. A. this last year, and I think we've we've said we we're going to do the Long Island thing this next year. And so um, that would be that that's probably the next um, you know top of my list that
0: I, I need to I need to I need to play there. Well, this has been a great conversation. I really do appreciate it. You know, best of luck with everything you're doing in, in your, the business world, and you know, it's cool that you're still playing enough golf to enjoy it you know, and have that be a part of your life as well. So thanks for doing this pro. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for the time and letting me come on.